Hey everyone, Mario Salinas here. Welcome to Wisdom's Echo Origin Gates Daily Podcast. So very happy to be with you again, bringing story time to you. And today's story brings us to the island of Cyprus where I was raised and also where I lived with my family almost 10 years ago. In 2013 will mark the 10th year since my family and I moved to Cyprus and lived there for a period of two years so that our children, who were very young at the time, primarily so that they would come into the heritage of Greek Cypriot uh, legacy that came from my family, get to know my family, my extended family better, and also get to know Cyprus and the lay of the land there. And when we moved there in 2013, the primary reason why we moved to the region that we did, which was a mountainous region, there are two large mountain ranges in Cyprus. The one in the north, the Pentadactylos mountain range, is occupied by uh, the Turks, and it's part of northern Cyprus, so Greek Cypriots have to show a passport and go through a checkpoint to even go up to that mountain range. But the other mountain range is in the heart of Cyprus, and it's the Trodos mountain range, and that is where we chose to go and settle in a small village uh, of about 600 inhabitants uh, on a house that I've jokingly talked about, my Russian neighbor and the Russians that lived uh, up the road from us. There was only one road going up that mountain, and uh, we were the one before last house to that um to that uh, on that road and the one at the very top of the road was the Russian but <clears throat> our children and, and Danielle and I moved to Cyprus in 2013 and the story I'm telling you today involves my oldest son Christos uh, Christos uh, enrolled in a school that was is considered one of the best schools uh, high schools it's a technical school up in the up in the village of Pedulas. Pedulas is the I'm sorry, Prodromos. Prodromos is the highest elevation uh, inhabited village or small town on the island of Cyprus. Whenever they give a news report in Cyprus, they will they will talk about the lowest point and the highest point in terms of populations, and they will always bring Prodromos up and they will show what the temperature is on Prodromos. It is the coldest place on the island most of the time in the winter. And it is the place where many people like to go in the summer because it remains cool in spite of the very hot weather for the rest of the island. And it has significance on many levels historically, not something we're going to get into in this particular talk. But there is a school there that was... Um, that was established by a certain patron uh, of of the technical um, and industrial mindset, and it has great reputation for being the best technical school on the island. However, <clears throat> very few people can attend that because of how far it is from the cities. Uh, in terms of people from the cities cannot go there. So the people who attend that school, and it's a limited population in the school, come from the villages that are up in the mountains. And because we had settled in a village that was about 45 minutes away from Prodromos, there was a bus that would pick up students from our village and bring them up to this school. And that is the school that Christos chose and the school that he ended up um, getting matriculated in. And that particular school was 
was quite an ordeal just to get to on a daily basis. Now, you have to think about our children not knowing any Greek at all. Our other two children, Chloe and Caleb, also went to local schools, but not far from where we lived, only a few minutes away. And their school was all Greek, as was Christos's. And they had to learn Greek from scratch in very decent schools in the area that spoke only Greek. And the way we always described it was we, we threw them out of a plane without a parachute and they had to learn how to fly. And that's how they learned Greek was actually going to these schools where they didn't have any option. Most, most kids didn't know English. They were learning English by taking private lessons, but they weren't far. The other kids were not far in their educational process with the English language. So our kids couldn't communicate with them in English very well. And they had to learn Greek if they were going to be able to get anywhere. And I so admire Christos's decision and, re- and re- resolute persistence to go to this school, the technical school up in Prodromos. It was a very hostile environment for him because he was surrounded by Greek kids. At that, at that age, they knew some more English than he did. And there were some other um, expats, kids, and also some foreign kids that went there, like some Russians and Romanians and so on, and he got to have somebody that he could talk to. But for the most part, it was a hostile environment, and the administration was not very helpful. They were very anti-West, anti-American, let's just say what what it is, and it was not a very uh, comfortable environment. And neither was it for the other kids, but I want to focus on Christos for a moment, because one day... I had to actually bring him to school because he missed the bus. And this only happened one time. But when I drove Christos to the school, I I sensed that there were so many curves on the road as we were going to the school. And I said, Christos, this is a very curvy road. And Christos said, no kidding, Dad. This is what I have to do twice a day. So I decided on my way back from the school that I would count how many bends there were on the road to the school and back and after dropping him off and having a brief talk with his principal just checking on him and making sure you know Christos was doing okay and had some supervision and some support I got back in the car and I was driving an Opel Zafira uh, cars that we don't have a lot of in the U.S. and I, I, I counted 145 bends on the road 145 bends to get to our village, not even to get to our home because there was two or three sharp ones just to get to our home from there. But 145 bends twice a day, this kid would get on the bus in a foreign environment, go to a school where he didn't speak the language, sit through classes every single day. And that's how he learned the Greek that he knows and also how he developed some amazing life skills in building relationships and being able to connect to people in difficult environments. And after that, Christos ended up getting a job in our village in a restaurant that had just opened. So we saw this restaurant being put together and it was being built and they were doing a lot of site work and then they were doing a lot of work inside and we figured it's going to be a restaurant. Well, the day, the, the week that it was about to open, Christos went and applied to be a waiter at that restaurant with minimal Greek at this point. He'd only... He'd only been there for less than a year, had gone to that school, and he wanted to work as a waiter at this restaurant. And so his boldness and his persistence won the heart of 
the owner and she said to him, you start uh, on Friday when I think it was a Friday night that they were starting and he worked the first night that that restaurant was open. And I don't know, I don't remember how many shifts he worked, but unfortunately the locals boycotted that restaurant and it wasn't long after that that they had to close down because there were other restaurants that the locals would get behind. But for some reason, I think there was some dirt on the family um, that had been dug up and the locals just basically boycotted it and, and ran it out of business. So Christos couldn't work there long, but I always admired the fact that he understood at a young age something that he articulated in, in so many words years later, and it was this. And I want to share this with you because I believe for someone in the nations that this goes to, there is a nugget here. My son, who at the age of 13 was running a stocks account out of Europe and a stocks account in the U.S., my son who went through 145 bends each way to go to a technical school where he couldn't speak the language at first, my son who started a job in town, like did all these different bold things, would climb walls and, uh, you know, climb rock faces and do all these different things that were risky, said, the path to greatness cannot be consistently found where there is no risk. And since then, he's gone on to start different businesses. I think he owned two or three by the time he graduated high school, started a business in his young um, 20s uh, that that foiled, but then several that were successful. He sells cars for a living, but also has a real estate company that is actually in the process now of taking on investors and growing and expanding by leaps and bounds. And at the age of 24, he has a family, two children, uh, owns the house that he lives in, in a very affluent part of the United States on the shoreline of Connecticut. And he has, he has so many things going for him. And if I were to say, what is it that is the catalyst for all this beyond, of course, the favor of the Lord and the God's goodness on our family and his favor on Christos's life, which is a given. We don't even need to talk about those things in a, in a meeting like this one where in a talk like this, but I would say it's his determination to always find those things that are not comfortable to begin with and to stay put and to stay consistent with those things that he feels he's called to that are inherently risky. Now, we're not talking here about foolish risk or speculation or doing things just for the sake of taking on risks and putting our lives and our financial futures in danger, but we're talking about finding things to do and pursuing uh, various assignments and tasks without the fear of what risk can do to us, which is failure, right? Risk can lead to failure. If risk goes the wrong way for us and something happens that either we go wrong on or goes wrong in the markets or the world at large, that risk could turn into failure. Uh, risk is the pivot for me. And if we're going to get into any kind of investment, any kind of uh, business, any type of even relationship, we understand that there's a risk and that risk is the pivot that can pivot us towards great success and greatness that is recognized by all, but especially in heaven, or it can pivot us to failure that we have to climb out of and get back to the pivot that involves risk to go to the next thing. It, it is unavoidable. It is impossible to get on a seesaw without that pivot point in the middle that's going to determine which side, depending on where the weight is, 
the seesaw is going to go. And that's one thing that my son, and I think all of our children, but because I'm focusing primarily on Christos today, he's really understood that. A few weeks ago, I was able to conduct business with him in buying um, my third car personally from him. Uh, my wife also bought one. My daughter and my son each bought a car from him. So all of us have bought cars from him. And I got to watch him in his environment in this stage of his life. And that is a, a very tense, intense environment. When you hear about car dealers being, uh, you know, smooth and manipulative and harsh and sometimes very difficult to work with, uh, always trying to scam you and some of those things, that's a, that's a stereotype that has some truth to it, but it's not all the way across the board true. And he has to overcome that stereotype with every single person that comes into his dealership. He has to deal with that with every person that he's going to do business with, including his own father. Because when we walk into the place, we expect there's going to be someone who is going to try to pull the wool over our eyes or tell us about a deal that's a great deal, but that's not really that great. And he has to overcome that. And he also has to learn the numbers, which is something that I've emphasized for so long in all of my financial teachings, that believers have minimal understanding worldwide, generally speaking, of the numbers, of how the numbers really work. Things like financing deals and having the numbers of interest and compound interest and amortization and all the different things that involve a deal like buying a car and leasing a car or or uh, buying a home or having a real estate property, you, we have to understand the numbers. Same thing with the markets. What makes so many people turn their TV off when they're announcing what the stock market did on any given day, which is basically every news program out there, is the numbers. It, it turns people off because they don't want to be bothered to learn how charts operate, how companies get listed in the markets, and what the numbers are. And it's okay. I don't criticize anybody for doing that, but I'm stating a fact that the numbers are something people run away from. But I watched my son at 24 manage the numbers really well, manage the people really well, manage expectations very well. And if I were to point to a period of his life where all of that was instituted inside of him and took root in a way that it could push him towards excellence and greatness, it would be 145 bends each way, twice a day on the island of Cyprus during the work week while he went to school on a school that he didn't speak the language, didn't know anyone to start with and had to start from the beginning. And that risk continues to bring forth great reward in his life and also in our family because of him and his siblings and the way we all walk together. And we are moving towards the kind of family business that's going to leave lasting legacy and fruit that remains. And that's what I want to live for. And so I encourage you not to run from risk, but to embrace it thoughtfully, prayerfully, with great wisdom, and to understand that that path that has risk in it is often the path to greatness, because risk will be that pivot for you. And some things you're going to succeed in greatly, and some you may fail in, but if you have the right internal disposition and makeup, you'll be able to overcome the failures and even turn him into success because Yahweh works all things for the good of those who love him and who are the called according to his purpose. And that is who we are. Shalom until we speak again.